0: I just got a very wonderful shipment of goodies from the folks at Reese's. And let me tell you something. These people remain the absolute worldwide leaders in bringing together chocolate and peanut butter. Of course, we know the peanut butter cups remain transcendent. But have you tried the Reese's sticks, They're wafers with peanut butter in between each wafer, all coated in chocolate? I mean, the combination of sweet chocolate and salty peanut butter just brings people joy and the folks at Reese's do it better than anyone. So shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you. Found wherever candy is sold. Hello, sportful eaters. My name is Ame and I live in Austin, Texas, USA. My 2024 food resolution is to eat more holiday-specific foods during celebrations throughout the year. Vegetarian Haggis on Robert Burns Day, King Cake for Mardi Gras, Anzac Biscuits in April, and of course, Pie for Pie Day are a few of the foods I've added to my calendar. I love researching recipes, trying new ones, and sharing food with friends and neighbors. I hope that by spreading out my food adventures throughout the year, I can connect more with my community and build a sense of celebration and gratitude lasting the entire year. Thank you so much for your podcast. I learn so much with every episode. Happy New Year, everybody. Hi, my name is Tressa and I live in Winnipeg, Canada. In 2024, I resolved to eat more tahini. Tahini is phenomenally delicious, versatile
1: and convenient. There really is no excuse not to succeed at this. Most of my life, I did not know what tahini was or that it even existed. The first time I tried it, I was shocked to be transported back to childhood when my grandmothers would serve halva at Christmas and only at Christmas. Finding that same sesame flavour in tahini was a revelation. Obvious choices are to make sauces for falafel or salad dressings and it seems tahini brownie recipes are everywhere. I also want to try it on toast. I look forward to hearing what others vow to eat more of in 2024. I'm Becky, and I live in Massachusetts. And my New Year's resolution is that in the new year, I resolve to eat more Rice Krispie Treats. Uh, I recently made them for the first time in years, and they were amazing. I've forgotten how much I loved them when I was a kid. Uh, I am very much not a kid anymore, Uh, but you know what? Being a grown-up means that you can make your own Rice Krispie Treats whenever you want, and nobody will yell at you for ruining your dinner. Thanks. Happy New Year.
0: This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. I hope that the holiday season has been treating you well as we arrive at the final Sporkful episode of the year. And let me first off respond to some of those voice memos we just heard because those were some really good ones. Amy in Austin, holiday-specific foods throughout the year. Great suggestion. For me, this brings to mind at the Jewish holiday of Passover, it's customary to eat a hard-boiled egg and you douse it with salt water. And that is a great way to season a hard-boiled egg because it makes it kind of like juicy at the same time that you're making it salty. And the same way that you would like put a ball of mozzarella in salt water. So I love that. Um, Tressa in Winnipeg wants more tahini Absolutely. I love tahini. I also love it in desserts. Um, I recommend Adina Sussman's Tahini Magic Shell, which you can also get at Michael Solomonov's restaurant, Laser Wolf. They put it on top of vanilla soft serve. There's one in Philly and one in Brooklyn. If you just Google Adina Sussman Tahini Magic Shell, her Instagram post with the recipe will come up, and you can make it at home wherever you are, and it's phenomenal. And Rice Krispie Treats, yes, 100%, although, like, don't even bother forming them into any kind of shape. Just eat it with a wooden spoon straight out of the pot when it's still warm. All right. Now, later in the show, I will grade myself on my own resolution from this past year and reveal my New Year's food resolution for 2024. We're also going to replay one of our favorite episodes. But before we get to that, let's hear a few more resolutions from listeners.
1: Hello, my name is Lauren and I live in Oxford, England. After listening to the Fuchsia Dunlop episode, I resolve in 2024 to eat more interestingly textured foods.
0: Hey, Sparkful. uh This is Michael. I'm based in Beijing, and my food New Year's resolution for 2024 is to eat more durian, but I'm going to take it to the next level. Uh, I'm going to eat more durian in public places. Durian is the best food in the world. I know it's polarizing. Some people can't stand the smell, but it's amazing. You have one bite, it tastes like raw garlic and strawberries and then the next bite tastes like bananas and body odor and it's amazing it's so good and uh, I don't care if it offends people I'm going to eat it more often
1: in public places. Hi Dan my name is Lauren Passell and I haven't eaten meat or fish in 30 years and this is year recently, I've been thinking a lot about oysters. And I have read that sometimes vegans eat oysters. I'm not a vegan, but that even vegans eat oysters because they're not technically animals. They don't have a central nervous system. It's actually good for the environment to farm them because they filter water. So my resolution is to try my very first oyster.
0: Thank you, Lauren, Michael, and Lauren for those resolutions now, one of our other traditions here in the year an episode of The Sporkful is that we replay one of The Sporkful team's favorite episodes from the past year. And we do have a couple of parameters that we use when choosing. First, it's not going to be an episode from the last couple of months. It's going to go a little farther back. And then we usually want to pick an episode that we really loved, but that maybe didn't get as big of a reaction from listeners, maybe flew under the radar, a hidden gem. And so using those criteria, we had a little discussion, Emma, Andres, Nora, and I, And we decided to replay our episode featuring my conversation with comedian Zarna Garg. Enjoy. So your first comedy special just came out. Congratulations. Thank you. I understand that um, in the lead up to the big taping, you were less concerned about your material and the performance, more concerned about what the people coming to the show would eat.
1: Yes, that's right. I was very stressed out about it. I didn't know that the taping would be in a theater that would not allow food (laughs) and like I was like all my Indians are going to come and be so pissed off in a horrible mood so but I was absolutely adamant I told my producer I said I don't know how you're going to do this but if I'm standing on stage and literally looking at 500 people who haven't eaten the mother in me is not going to relax like we need to fix this somehow (laughs)
0: This week I'm talking with stand-up comedian Zarna Garig. She started gaining traction in the New York comedy scene just five years ago. Now she's got her own special on Prime Video. Zarna's path to comedy success has not been traditional. Before she was selling out shows across the country, she spent more than a decade as a stay-at-home mom. She's mined that part of her life for a lot of her material.
1: 15 years of being home with the kids full-time, I learned something. I'm not that into them. <laughs> so I found the only job that keeps me out of the house nights and weekends. I mean, kids aren't even allowed in here! <laughs> and-
0: Family and food are recurring themes in Zarna's comedy, but she has some mixed emotions about cooking. As a kid, she relished her mom's home-cooked meals, but didn't have much interest in being in the kitchen herself. As a teenager, she wasn't always sure where her next meal would come from. And as a parent, she came to see cooking as a burden. We'll get into all that later in the show. But even if you haven't seen Zarna's stand-up, there's a good chance you've seen her videos on social media. They're usually shot in her kitchen, often while she's cooking, with at least one family member nearby.
1: Mom, what are you doing? I'm peeling the oranges for your lunchbox tomorrow. I'm trying to get ready for your lunchbox. Nobody wants oranges. Why can't I just have a cookie like everyone else? What? No one is bringing cookie for lunch. Who said? All my classmates are. See, they eat a cookie and then they start thinking, oh, I should be playing guitar when I grow up. You see how all these problems start? You eat the orange. You know who else ate oranges? All the people who made Google.
0: Zarna grew up in Mumbai in the 70s and 80s, the youngest of four she told me, her family was middle class. Her dad ran his own business and her mom stayed home to take care of the kids.
1: My mom did most of the cooking and uh, it was all Indian home cooking, vegetarian food, which is a very, very refined cuisine. So the lentils, like there are any number of ways to cook them. There are any number of ways to cook vegetables and all the different breads we made. And my mom was an amazing cook.
0: You mentioned lentils. Like, did your mom have like a go-to dal or something that was like her trademark dish?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, the I, I just got thrown off guard when you said dal because I didn't expect you to know that, but of course you do.
0: <laughs> all the the Hindi words that I know are uh, are the food words.
1: I think as long as you know all the food and namaste and a couple of yoga words, you're good. <laughs> 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 yeah, there was. There's a yellow dal, like a like I think in America it's called split.
0: Pea. right split pigeon peas
1: split that kind of dal my mom used to make that dal with onion and tomato and garlic and ginger and like oh i'm sure she was also sneaking in other vegetables that i didn't even know when i was a child right. you know because like everything was kind of mushed and ground up but man it was so yummy it was great
0: And then would you put some, uh, I know there's different words for it, but like uh, a tadka or like an achar or something in there? Yeah, both
1: tadka and achar. So usually when you're doing the onion, ginger, garlic, that's the tadka. And the tarka is the seasoning, the flavoring, like what flavor do you want in the dal? And the achar is because we're so extra, Indian people are so extra, it's like not even funny. Like we've already added 20 ingredients to this lentils and but still not enough. We're like, no, it still needs a little oomph, you know? So we add, it's literally, it's like adding a push-up bra to the dal. Like we need a little more excitement, you know? Right,
0: And when you were growing up, did you cook with your mom?
1: I uh, not so much, not so much because I was a little more of a tomboy. I wasn't into it. She tried to drag me into it a few times, but I was always the one who wanted to go play and swim and run and jump. And, you know, I wasn't a foodie in the way that Indian people like people in India go crazy right now. They're all losing their minds over mangoes. Mango season is here and that's all you're going to hear about anywhere in India. Right. Did, you, did you get the mango? Did you get the good mango? How much did you pay for the mango? You know, oh my, oh my God, you paid so much. I got an inside deal. <laughs> it's so, so much chatter around the food that it's like, I was like, I don't care. I, I Give me a pineapple. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs>
0: When Zarna was 14, her life took an unexpected and dramatic turn. Her mom died pretty suddenly from jaundice. Her dad, as Zarna tells it, couldn't handle the demands of being a single parent. So he decided it was time for Zarna, his youngest child, to find a husband. That meant an arranged marriage. But Zarna refused. Again, she was only 14. Her dad responded with an ultimatum. Get married or get out of the house. So Zarna left.
1: Yeah, that's right
0: and you spent a couple years sort of couch surfing
1: yeah two years
0: during those two years zarna didn't get much say over what she was eating
1: i mean when you're at living at people's mercy you don't have the choice you know really beggars can't be choosers uh, but i was lucky people always thought i was funny and i would get invited to every amazing event in town Everybody would be thrilled to have me around their dinner table because they knew I would make people laugh. And in hindsight now, looking back, I think the roots of my comedy were probably born around those dinner tables.
0: It was almost like a survival mechanism.
1: It was a survival, it wasn't almost, it was. Because I knew that if I entertain people, they were gonna invite me, or they were gonna take me in for an extra day or an extra week. So it was I was always front and center in my mind to keep things light and to keep everybody happy. But But a big part of it was also to be invited to the most outstanding meals ever. Almost a year and a half after I I had been thrown out of my house, somebody invited me for a Diwali dinner. And um, it was a very, very opulent dinner. And I was very excited to be invited. But I could tell that it was not home cooked. And that was the first time I realized the difference between my mom making something herself and something being catered from outside. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, until then, it all felt the same to me. I was too young to know the difference. But I remember sitting at that really fancy dinner table and thinking, this looks so amazing, but why doesn't it taste like my mom's?
0: And and I mean, h- having that realization a year and a half after your mother had died, knowing that she wasn't around to cook those meals for you anymore. I mean, h- how did that feel?
1: I mean, look, I was in a very complicated circumstance. So I never allowed myself to feel sad about it because I I could go down a spiral. And I knew that even as a 15 year old, also you the world that I come from, they don't really baby the babies, I was only 15, and I know that only 15 is a thing looking back in hindsight in America, in an American context. But in India, everybody was very matter-of-fact when she died. It was like, okay, she's died now, and that's really sad, but we all have to move on. And that was part of why my dad was like, you need to get married because I don't know what else to do. So I think I was sad, but I don't think I really allowed myself that... That moment of grief even, because my overall state of mind at that time was very much, how do I make sure that I I remain in a stable place for the night?
0: Eventually, Zarna found a place to stay long term with her older sister and her sister's husband in Akron, Ohio. So Zarna left India. She and her dad never spoke again. When she got to America, she started trying to build a new life for herself.
1: Ohio was the best. I was immersed in my sister's family life. The Indian community in Ohio really took me under their wing. They were like very loving and inclusive. Pretty much every Friday and Saturday night, we were all gathering at somebody's house and everybody was bringing a dish. So it was like a potluck. So for the first time, I saw all these really cool interpretations of Indian dishes. Because back then, when I moved here close to 30 years ago, there weren't so many Indian grocery stores and certainly not in Akron and Cleveland, Ohio. So everything was kind of modified and a little bit like substituted and, oh, we don't have the curry leaf, but we have this one and we don't have this kind of salt, but we have this other thing. You know, when you move here from uh, to America, from India, you, you don't know that buying Indian groceries could be challenging because the world you came from, it was everywhere. And then you come here and you walk into this massive grocery store in Ohio, massive, like they have all this stuff and they don't have turmeric? <laughs> How can... What? I remember going out and thinking, they have like 50 kinds of milk. Right. But they don't have curry leaves. Right. <laughs> How are you cooking without curry leaves? <laughs> so what I learned is that people went to great lengths to recreate what they were used to but they found amazing ways to blend in it was it was a blending into americana of a whole different kind that i had not expected
0: was there ever a moment in those first few years after you left home that you questioned whether it was the right move
1: i i didn't question it because i didn't have the option but i i did miss home a lot I, I, you know, I feel that life in America, even now, I feel is a little lonely. No one is really looking at the big picture of what will make a community happy. Everybody seems to be running in their own direction and running with a lot of passion and vigor. But I remember feeling like, like missing the vibe of a small tight knit community which is funny to say because i came from india and india is anything but small but indian culture is very warm at its core like we we hang out with our neighbors and our friends and relatives it's very informal you know and food is like indian people take so much pleasure from their meals and the gather around and the sitting around food is important everywhere but I just don't think it's a community event necessarily in the Western cultures. Whereas in the East, it's like everything is a community event. Like you make the bread together, then you break the bread together. It's not, you don't do that once a week or once a month. You don't wait for Thanksgiving. It's a feast. Every night is some version of a feast. And food is part of everything. I make jokes about it in the clubs. I'm like, it's your birthday, it's your anniversary, it's your funeral. It's all about the food, you know. (laughs) We don't actually care what has happened. We just want to make sure that there's something good to eat. (laughs)
0: It's like, well, grandpa died, but at least we'll eat well.
1: Listen, grandpa died and he would have wanted you to have eaten well. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Right, right. (laughs) While living in Ohio, Zarna was able to get the education she'd always wanted for herself. She went to college, then law school. After graduating, she moved to New York for her first job. That's when she met her husband. No arranged marriage necessary. They tied the knot back in India, where Zarna's husband's also from, so they could celebrate with their families. What food did you serve at the wedding?
1: Everything. (laughs) I come from the Western region. My family was Gujarati. So they were like, we have to have Gujarati food for the Gujaratis who are coming. But then we also needed like... American food, because we had guests flying in from America, my friends from here. And then my husband was coming from Switzerland. So they were like, we have to have food to please these people. (laughs) By the time we were done, there was food from every corner on earth. (laughs) There was Chinese food, Thai food. And Indian weddings, having five, ten stations of food is a very common thing. It's like people will start with a Chinese appetizer and work. with In the middle, sushi will show up from nowhere. (laughs) Out of nowhere, there will be a sushi platter. And then just when you think you're done with sushi, there's going to be nachos. And there's literally no one sees anything wrong with it. (laughs) And my wedding was very much that. And I'll have you know that 25 years later, people remember how amazing the food was.
0: For the first few years she was married, Zarna worked at a New York law firm. When she and her husband started a family, she left her career to be a stay-at-home mom. She says she wasn't really cut out to be a lawyer anyway. By the time she was in her late 20s, Zarna had three kids, and her whole life was dedicated to raising them, which in large part means feeding them.
1: I think I have a lot of resentment from those years, to be honest, because it it's overwhelming. I didn't know how to cook anything. Like, I could make pasta and make, like, a few things, very few things in America. It's an overwhelming amount of work to feed three kids and all three of my kids are athletes. So each kid had their own. My daughter was on a swim team. My son was on a track team. Every coach had their own drama about like, don't give him that and he must eat this. I feel like for at least a good hard decade of my life, all I was ever doing was... Obsessing about who's eating what and and do we have enough ingredients and all. Somehow, no matter how organized I was, I was always missing something. Midway through the thing, I would be like, "Oh shit!" Right. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're like in this flurry of what to do and how to right. like. was yep. too much stress.
0: As you were like raising your kids and learning to cook, I mean, I I imagine there were times where you're like, "I wish I could call my mom right now and ask her a question." Oh.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, that's, that's an everyday thing. And, And it's a, it's even a feeling thing. It's not even ask a question. I wish, I do wish that there was somebody to comfort me when I'm stressed out, you know, because my role is to comfort my kids, my husband, and that is, you know, I'm the I'm their mom. So they turn to me with every crisis. But meanwhile, I have my own crisis and of all kinds, you know, professional, whatever. And it's, a, it's definitely a feeling that you, I don't think you get over it. It's a void that is, I don't think it ever fills. I don't know.
0: Zarna didn't plan to follow in her mother's footsteps as a stay-at-home mom. Now that she had, she was struggling. She says during that time, some friends described her as a caged tiger.
1: I came here to not be married, to learn. I was that kid who loved going to school, loved learning. And I really spent years of my life getting these degrees. And then somehow I found myself in a world where I was obsessing over kids' soccer and, like, the parent-teacher conference and the baking—what do they call it here? The bake sales. Like— I think parenting in America is such a high-pressure job. The amount of like, you got to be perfect. If your kid has a passion, they have to follow it. If they want some, you know, it's like parents in India are very comfortable saying no. Like, I understand you might want to play the ukulele, but we don't have it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I remember my friends telling me, they're like, you're you're so unhappy in this life. I was in a state of disbelief. I couldn't understand what happened to me and my life. But I felt like the world was passing by me and I was just stuck.
0: Coming up, Zarna gets unstuck with the help of her kids. Plus, we'll hear more of your New Year's food resolutions for 2024, and I'll reveal mine. Stick around. And now, a delicious word from
1: our
0: sponsors. In the Pashman household, we're already big fans of Tillamook shredded cheese. In fact, I used it in developing many recipes in my cookbook. And now I'm getting into their ice cream. Tillamook ice cream is made with more cream, so you get smooth and dreamy scoops each time. You may not realize it, but this is why a lot of the store-bought ice cream doesn't taste the same as what you get in, in an ice cream parlor. But with Tillamook, They don't skimp on the cream. These people know dairy, okay? Tillamook makes a great, rich vanilla ice cream with real crushed vanilla bean seeds. They have an Oregon strawberry, sweet strawberry ice cream with ripe Oregon strawberry pieces. The one that I really love is the mudslide flavor, smooth chocolate ice cream with a ribbon of rich fudge and chocolatey chips. You want to move the spoon around to get fudgy and chocolatey chips and the ice cream all in the same bite each time, and it's just so, so nice. And like I said, I just trust Tillamook when it comes to dairy. They make over 200 different dairy products, and the brand is farmer-owned and led by dairy experts. Find Tillamook ice cream near you at Tillamook.com. That's T-I-L-L-A-M-O-O-K.com. The weather's warming up. Have you nailed down your summer travel plans yet? I can tell you, we're working on ours, and things are booking up, which is why you should be thinking about Norwegian Cruise Line. They have been raising the standards of cruising for more than 55 years. Let me tell you, when you cruise with NCL, you get award-winning specialty restaurants, immersive entertainment, and the most thrilling experiences at sea. Now, look, one of the great things about cruises in general is that you can visit and explore all kinds of different destinations, all with the ease of unpacking your bag just once. But Norwegian Cruise Line... They take cruising to another level and they take food to another level. With no set dining and entertainment times and no formal dress codes, you have the flexibility to design your ideal vacation. They have an incredible variety of truly authentic and fresh dining and bar experiences complemented by exceptional service. Listen to this. There are up to eight complimentary, and nine specialty dining options per ship, and up to 23 bar and lounge options. Come see why NCL's guest-first philosophy means exceptional service and unforgettable memories. Book your next vacation at ncl.com. I enjoy a nice glass of wine, but I don't pretend to be an expert in wine. I usually just want a wine that's high-quality, delicious, and not too expensive. And to me, that's Bogle Family Vineyards. And here's the thing about Bogle. This is a third-generation, family-owned winery from California that makes exceptional wines for about 10 bucks a bottle. Bogle wines consistently earn Best Buy designations and high ratings from wine enthusiasts. And let me tell you something. The folks at Wine Enthusiast, they drink a lot of wine. They drink a lot of fancy, expensive wine. And yet they still keep giving great ratings to Bogle. And Bogle Vineyards has so many different kinds of wine. Whatever your mood, whatever you're eating, there's a wine for you. They got this great Pinot Grigio that's crisp and fruity, goes well with spicy foods, with fish. They have a classic Chardonnay that's balanced, amazing with a pork tenderloin or butter chicken. I like to take that Chardonnay and do what Jacques Pepin taught me, a couple of ice cubes in your glass of Bogle. If Jacques Pepin says it's okay, then it's okay. And there's the Bogle Pinot Noir, refined and elegant with bright fruit and about as food-friendly as a red wine can be. You're not going to believe it's only $10. Neither will your friends if you tell them. So pick up a few bottles of Bogle wherever you buy your favorite wines. Please drink responsibly. Are you ready for warmer weather? I know I am. But is your wardrobe ready? I just stocked up on spring and summer clothing at Quince. And let me tell you something. I feel great about everything I got. I got a couple of short sleeve button down shirts, polo shirt, some shorts. Everything feels great. It's super high quality. And I can't believe how much stuff I got at a reasonable price. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. Whatever you need for the spring and summer... Quince has your back. Upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash sporkful for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sporkful to get free shipping and 365 day returns. quince.com slash sporkful. Welcome back to The Sporkful, I'm Dan Pashman. You've probably heard of Michelin stars, right? Restaurants get Michelin stars. Last week we asked the question, how do these stars actually work? We talked with a chef who recently won one of the stars, along with a former Michelin inspector, to find out what really makes a restaurant star-worthy. Then we talked with Erica Adams, editor of Eater Boston, about why her city has no Michelin stars. Is it just that the restaurants there aren't good enough?
1: That's what I kept hearing. That's how people kept phrasing that question to me. And I hear this stereotype over and over about how Boston's dining scene sucks. It doesn't even have a Michelin guide. And I'm, I'm like, that's not, that's not how it works. That's not how it works.
0: So how does it actually work? You'll have to listen to find out. That one's up now. Check it out. Now, before we get back to Zarna Garg, let's hear a few more of your New Year's food resolutions.
1: Hi, my name is Tom. I'm from Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. My New Year's resolution is to eat more fresh pasta because 10 years ago, I bought a pasta machine at a yard sale and it hasn't left the closet since. Every year, my wife tells me to give it away to someone who will actually use it. Happy Holidays! Hi, Dan. This is Karen from Easley, South Carolina. I'm Okinawan. I was born there, but I have not been back since I left at six months old with my mom. I'm going back next year, so I want to learn more about the significance of certain foods why Okinawans eat the way that they do, how do they maintain their health with their food, and The Okinawan foods that I eat have been a way to connect myself to my culture. So I want to continue to do that and really strengthen that relationship that I have within myself.
0: Hey, Sporkfall, I'm Gabe Rosenberg. And my food resolution for 2024 is to eat more Kansas City barbecue. I have set a goal of trying one barbecue restaurant I have not tried every single month. I moved to Kansas City like two and a half years ago. You know, I feel like I've tried most of the big name ones, Gates, Arthur Bryant's, but Kansas City has so many barbecue restaurants, and I just feel like I want to be able to authoritatively say where the best burnt ends are in Kansas City. So I'm going to enlist some friends' helps. Uh, I think we're going to create a scale Some uh, standardized grading and hopefully eat a lot of really good barbecue next year. So, Tom, regarding fresh pasta, I say more power to you. If you can do it, great. Um, But as someone who is getting ready to publish a cookbook of pasta sauces and recipes, I made the conscious choice not to include anything about making fresh pasta from scratch because it just feels too aspirational for me. Sorry. If you have all the time in the world and you enjoy the process of working for hours to make a small amount of pasta, then I wish you all the best. But it's just not for me. And Gabe and Casey, um, 100%, that's a fantastic goal. And any of you out there who want to try a lot of Kansas City barbecue, I'd like to say that during COVID, when I got (laughs) super sick of my own cooking, I started ordering food shipped from all over the country just to, like, you know, brighten my day. And it confirmed my feeling that of all the foods you can now get shipped to you from around America— the best one to get shipped to you is barbecue. First of all, like, I think the prices tend to be like not much more than what it would cost to go to the restaurant. Some of these other places, like there'll be a a cake for like $100 that you're gonna get shipped to your house. I mean, like who on earth is gonna do that? But you can get a couple racks of ribs for roughly what they would cost in a restaurant. Also, barbecue travels very, very well. So like some other things you're gonna order, you know, they're not gonna hold up in shipping. It's not gonna be the same. Barbecue is almost indestructible. So even if you're not Gabe in Kansas City, you can feel like Gabe in Kansas City if you order yourself some ribs. All right, now let's return to my conversation with Zarna Garg. After almost two decades of being a stay-at-home mom, Zarna hit a wall. She needed something else in her life. She just wasn't sure what. But her daughter, Zoya, who was in high school at the time, she knew. Here's Zarna and Zoya when they were interviewed for an episode of This American Life a couple years ago.
1: And she said to me, Mom, all my friends love hanging out with you because they think you're funny. Why don't you do comedy? And I was like, what is she talking about? Who's going to come and watch what I have to say? And what am I even going to say? I don't know what comedy people do. She had so much fear going into stand-up comedy. I mean, it took me six months of being like, Mom, you can do it. Mom, you can do it. You're so good at this. You love telling stories.
0: Eventually, Zarna gave in to the pressure campaign and decided to give comedy a shot, if only to appease her kids. Here she is on the podcast Humans of Bombay, describing the first time she performed in front of an audience.
1: The first open mic I went to, I didn't even know what an open mic was or what you do there. The woman who ran it said, why don't you go on stage and talk about whatever you find is funny. I was like, anything? And she's like, yeah, anything. So I went up there and started trashing my mother-in-law. And, like, the audience was dying. And I was standing there thinking, what is happening? Like, I was like, white people do this? Like, this is a job? Like, somebody could be paying me to do this? I'll do it all day long.
0: (laughs) Just like her daughter predicted, Zarna was a natural on stage. She'd honed her comic timing, making people laugh during her couch surfing years as a teenager in Mumbai. Now in her 40s, she was discovering just how far that talent could take her. But just as Zarna was gaining traction in the stand-up scene, COVID hit. She thought that might be the end of her new career. Instead, she pivoted to TikTok and other social media platforms, where she ended up finding even more success. Online and on stage, her comedy is a mixture of jokes about the immigrant experience, cultural stereotypes, and parenthood.
1: My 16-year-old son's so handsome. <laughs> he recently asked me, he's like, Mom, are you proud of me? I was, like, proud of you. Why? And he goes, because I get good grades. I said, you get good grades because we make you study. We get you tutors. We feed you almonds. You should be proud of us.
0: These days, the kitchen still isn't exactly Zarna's happy place, but it seems she's made her peace with cooking.
1: Look, whether I love cooking or not, I have to do it. It's part of my job. You know, I I just hesitate to say that I love cooking because in America, the people who love cooking, like they make such a big show of it. Like, it doesn't even just stop with cooking. You have to love your pots and your pans and your equipment. Like, <laughs> it's It's not so dramatic for me. Like, I just cook. I'm a mom. I cook all the time. I make sure everybody has eaten. If you come to my house, like, I think sometimes I scare the Amazon delivery guys. I'm like, you want to eat something? You want to eat something? Are you sure you don't want to eat something? (laughs) So feeding people is certainly a huge part of my life.
0: Establishing some rules and routines around feeding her kids has made that part of Zarna's life easier.
1: I make a bowl of uh, fresh cut crudité for each kid every day that they have to eat. And all my kids start the day with steamed broccoli. I know it's not an American thing. Like in America, breakfast is a different thing. But I love that they start their day with uh, with steamed broccoli. They love it. I make their friends eat it too. And it's like a moment when usually all American kids are in my house. And the first thing I give them at like eight o'clock in the morning is steamed broccoli. They're like, what is this? <laughs>
0: Zarna actually posts cooking videos for some of her go-to recipes, like one for tomato soup.
1: First, onion in butter and oil, then add cloves, and then ginger and garlic. Next up, turmeric. It is the king of all things. It is anti-inflammatory. It is a lot of anti-things, anti-racist. It helps everybody.
0: But some of Zarna's recipes are a little controversial.
1: Mom, what are you doing? The water is cold, and you're not supposed to break the pasta. Oh, you know everything now? How to make the pasta? Yeah, my friend Susie said that she knows how to make pasta because she's Italian. Like the Italians know pasta? Indians know how to cook everything. Italians created pasta. Indians created cooking.
0: So when you posted that video, what what was the reaction?
1: Oh my God, the Italians were losing their minds. (laughs) They were like, you can't do that. And I was like, why not? I I actually right now don't know why not. But I mean, I I guess I do know because it's supposed to all cook and you're supposed to twirl it in the fork and whatever. But when my kids were little, not only did I break it, I broke it in really tiny pieces so they could scoop it with a spoon. (laughs) I I I honestly didn't realize that putting it in cold water was like such a big blasphemous thing.
0: Actually there uh, uh, there are some people including the respected food science guru Kenji Lopez Alt who have argued that that is a superior method. It saves it saves heat.
1: Thank you Kenji Lawrence. <laughs> Thank you.
0: You're also a big fan of Taco Bell.
1: Big fan. Oh. That's all Indians. That's an Indian thing. (laughs) You know, we single-handedly brought the Mexican pizza back.
0: In case you don't know the story, in 2020, Taco Bell discontinued its Mexican pizza. But so many angry, hungry customers wrote to Taco Bell's CEO that the company decided to bring it back in 2022. Its highly anticipated return was accompanied by a 12-minute choreographed musical on YouTube entitled Mexican Pizza, The Musical, starring, yes, Dolly Parton in the role of the Mexican pizza.
1: I held on for as long as I could, but in the end, it was just nice to know so many folks cared. And I just couldn't believe all the love on the internet from my grieving fans. community couldn't believe when they discontinued the Mexican pizza. And we were like, we waged a war. In the fast food landscape in America, if you're Indian and or Indian vegetarian, Taco Bell is your number one. It is. Because you don't get more options anywhere else.
0: Zarna even has a social media bit about Taco Bell. Her son comes in while she's eating a Mexican pizza. and Quickly, she hides it.
1: Mom, are you having Taco Bell pizza? Can I have some? No, 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 no! I'm eating blueberries. You want some? The are there's some Taco Bell sauces right here. Oh, these I just picked up. That they give those for free. That you can have the sauces. You want to put them on blueberry?
0: And I like I get I understand that, like that's just funny. Like these are just fun. Like the, those are funny bits. Um, mm,
1: no, that that was a real one. Okay.
0: <laughs> but I think that that you've sort of touched on what a some somewhat universal. Experience of parenting I think Which is a sort of like Do as I say Not as I do Yeah This is something I'll admit to you That I've done Zarna Have you ever Snuck into another room To eat something That you didn't want Your kids to know You were eating
1: Oh That's my life (laughs) Are you kidding (laughs) another room known as the bathroom uh, <laughs> of course I have
0: I don't think you've actually successfully parented until you've eaten ice cream in the bathroom
1: I mean <coughs> we're all lying to some degree come on I think parenting the delicate foundations of parenting are based on lies alcohol drugs Like <laughs> you have to do a, a lot of delicate dance of all these things to get through the process of parenting
0: right, right.
1: do you know how many times I've fed my kids broccoli and then I'd throw my own bowl out. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to eat that stuff.
0: (laughs) Zarna's daughter Zoya, who you heard earlier, is in college now. I asked Zarna if Zoya has started calling her to ask for recipes and cooking tips.
1: Yeah, she does. Because she's, she has a kitchen now in her college. So I teach her all kind of hacks on how to keep everything done, you know, for two, three days at a time and make it very simple. I tell her, I'm like, don't get roped into the oatmeal needs 10 things in it. Like, it's just simple, 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 simple. And she has a real appreciation for it.
0: And it turns out her daughter's appreciation extends beyond cooking tips.
1: You know, the first time I got something back from my kids about my food was when I allowed, we don't, Indian people don't really send their kids to summer camp. So that's not a thing. But one time my my daughter really fought hard and really wanted to go because all her friends were going. And I let her go for one week. I think she was in sixth or seventh grade. As She came back. She's like, Mom, I missed your food so much. Because it was a week of eating hot dogs and burgers. And like, these are not things... She eats all of those things, but it's not the foundation of her diet. And that's the first time I realized that, oh my God, like my dal and my simple rice and stuff actually means something to her. Like she missed it. And for that reason, I sent every kid to camp once. <laughs> <laughs> my little one was like, I don't even want to go. I said, No, you're going. <laughs>
0: That's Zarna Garg. Her debut comedy special, One in a Billion, is out now on Prime Video. All right, before I get to my resolution for this year, I need to grade myself on this past year. Now, my resolution for 2023 was to eat more black pepper. And I think I did a very good job of crushing whole peppercorns and sprinkling them on top of pasta dishes and on top of cottage cheese. And I have to say, I don't care how good your pepper grinder is, taking the whole peppercorns and crushing them, I just use the bottom of a pot, but I'm sure there's fancier devices the aroma and the intensity of the flavor that you get with the crushed peppercorns as opposed to like pepper from a grinder um it's night and day but it was not until just a couple days ago when i tried your number one suggestion for black pepper which was so many of you wrote in i asked for suggestions you said put it on top of ice cream vanilla ice cream so i actually made a video my daughter becky and i tried that i'll put it up on my instagram you can see what we thought Overall, I will give myself a B plus for black pepper. I think I ate a good amount of it. I didn't try it in as many different ways as I would have liked. It was it would have had to do to earn an A or a minus. But I'm giving myself a B plus, and I'm okay with that. Now it's time for me to reveal my resolution for 2024. Let me adjust my microphone for the drum roll. In 2024, I resolved to eat more. Fish. I know that sounds awfully broad. Let me explain. I'm not talking about shellfish. I've been wanting to eat more fish and I've been thinking to myself, why don't I eat more fish? And I live on Long Island. It's an island. We live near the sea. We have access to incredible, high quality, fresh seafood. And I love going to the fish market to get it, but it is very expensive. And that dissuades me from like going every week. I would love to hear your suggestions for cuts of fish that tend to be less expensive, um, especially white fish, because that's really what Janie likes, but she's very particular. She doesn't want cod or anything that has, that can feel a little bit rubbery. It has to be tender and flaky like flounder, but not as expensive as flounder. I love the meteor fish. I love swordfish. I love salmon. Um, Maybe halibut is a good happy medium for the two of us, but can still be pricey. So I would love to know about less expensive cuts of white fish that you recommend. And any special recipes that you have for white fish, simple stuff to mix it up a little bit, because that's, I just feel like I love fish. I want to eat it more. And so I am resolving to eat more fish in 2024. And if you have suggestions for cuts of fish or recipes, please send them to me at hello at sporkful.com. Well, we are off for the next two weeks. We will be dropping a reheat during the hiatus. We'll be back with a brand new show on January 8th. Until then, we got a lot of great episodes in our feed. Check them out. And I wish you a great rest of the holiday season. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and I'll talk to you in January. This show is produced by senior producer Emma Morgenstern and producers Andres O'Hara and Grace Rubin. Editing by Nora Ritchie. Our engineer is Jared O'Connell. Music help from Black Label Music. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher Studios. Our executive producers are Colin Anderson and Nora Ritchie. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. And we're the fries from Abilene, Kansas. Reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better.